This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. 1021, it's Battle for Malaysia with Shaoik Dash and Dr. Bridget Welsh. In the studio earlier, we just heard from Dr. Kelvin Yee, uh, MP candidate for Kuching, on um, his win. And uh, he was uh, sort of uh, uh, zooming out a little bit on Sarawak and the rest of the country as well, sharing some thoughts as well on the, um, you know, everyone's talking about whether that we will see a potential alliance between Pakatan and GPS. Um, and and, you know, this is that is exactly the question that is on everyone's minds um, with uh, all the coalitions and parties claiming that on, on the one hand, they can form a government on their own. But at the same time, observers um, have observed that a simple majority is precarious for any one coalition. So, um, you know, we'll take a bit of time now to discuss with Bridget about ideological similarities and differences among these coalitions uh, where we might be seeing uh, them sort of uh, joining hands and uh, more importantly, what does that mean in terms of stability for uh, whatever government that will be formed? Um, Bridget, uh, you know, just thoughts first. Will any bloc get enough seats to form government by themselves? No. Yeah. <laughs> Short answer. <laughs> I, I think for people who, who may not understand, right, because I think we are we are in sort of unprecedented times, right, in, in Malaysian political history. Um, it's always for years and years, even GE14, it was either this or that this or that. So now we are in a, in a, in a very messy sort of situation, um, very fluid situation. I guess for people who may not completely grasp this yet, Bridget, when we say, you know, which block, are there enough seats that, uh, uh, you know, uh, that are there, you know, is there enough seats that a particular block will win to form government on their own? What exactly are we talking about here? So in order to form a government, Malaysia, it, it, you have to have a majority, right? And that with uh, with now one seat, uh, two seats suspended, that number has to is 110 or 111 mm -hmm. uh, in that context. Uh, and so you need to have that type of number. So I think, you know, I'm, I think this election is very interesting because we have seen two very important trends. The first is is that Malaysians have decided they, they will change their vote. They've changed their party loyalties. Uh, they've decided, hey, we're going to move in a different direction or in, in, in many different ways. Uh, and that in itself uh, you know, speaks to a kind of uh, a sophistication and maturity among Malaysian voters. Uh, you know, if, if we don't like this one, we'll kick them out in that context. In the and the second thing that's going on is that we've seen a lot of young voters vote. And they have been, they have been a driver in this election. So in terms of forming coalitions, there are three issues that I want to highlight. The first of which is we have a number of personality issues. Can certain people work with other people? Right. Uh, and, and, you know, unfortunately, uh, we, we, many of the leaders are older men who have very big egos and they have long histories with each other. And so these are issues and challenges that I think we'll, we'll have to see whether or not these are able to be put aside for the, in, for the interests of the country. And I believe they will be uh, in that context because there will be a lot of public pressure uh, because Malaysia's never had not having a government right away. Right. So therefore, uh, although it has had that at two state assemblies in Kedah and in Perak. So there, there is a history of hung state assemblies, which were all resolved within a relatively short period of time. So what I would say is that this, the second issue is the question of ideology. You know, we have, we, if we look at a continuum, we have more progressive forces, Pakatan Harapan, and then we have those that are much more conservative. I would argue that Perkat National is the, the most conservative. And uh, 
uh, and we, we don't know what sort of UMNO is going to be and is going to be left behind in this particular election. And one of the challenges uh, with uh, UMNO BN is that it, it, it is, has its, its internal issues, and those internal issues have really undermined its performance so far, what we can see. So uh, the question becomes, you know, Warrison is more towards the progressive side, but then they have the personality issues with Anwar, right? And then we have, a, and then we have somewhere uh, more conservative as GPS, right? So, the, so we do see this ideological spectrum, which I think will be very important to where there is kind of this common comfort ground that people can work together. And then the third sort of big major issue is what are the shared interests? Can there be a platform, a common platform? Now, Malaysia as a, pol- as a political system has, has a system where there are many shared interests from the perspective of economic policy and social policy. So I think the variation is actually very limited, uh, you know, in terms of Malaysia is a moderate uh, um, area, with the exception, I think, of Perkta Nationals, some of the agenda that issues that they, that they are articulating, particularly from PAS. But what I would say beyond that, from an economic policy, it's there's relatively common ground. And the question becomes is which, for Saban Sarawak, they're going to have to ask those big questions. Which are the coalitions that will provide us more? And the question there is the uh, is, a, is a tension between the interest of the elites in that system versus the interest of the, uh, the, the states themselves. Now, it's interesting to look. I, I want to make a correction to what I said a few moments ago. GPS has got 23, not 24, because uh, Baram is out of the question. Um, If I personally have felt that Baram would have gone to GPS, Uh, but uh, now it's more open. But irrespective of that, what we see as a situation is that they don't have that same... 23 is still a large number, but it's not a 27. It's not a 28 So uh, in that situation. So what we're going to mean from a perspective of coalition partners is it's going to have to involve multiple partners. And speaking of numbers, we have a WhatsApp message um, from an anonymous listener who wants to know what happens if there's an actual tie. Um, 111 and 111, do I have my numbers right? Well, I think, yeah, but I think that uh, we're probably not going to have that. And mm-hmm. keep in mind that the 111 is the minimum, right? I think that uh, from the perspective of political stability, people look at 120 uh, as a kind of a target so that there isn't the sense of one person following and one moving. Uh, but, you know, keep in mind other countries like Australia had came down to one person and nobody could go. Only people from both sides of the lines had to go to the bathroom at the same time because <laughs> people couldn't vote. You know, uh, they was worried that, they would, you know, that the government would fall. So you could... You can have that type of situation in other countries. And keep in mind, this is a really important point that Malaysians need to understand. A hung parliament doesn't mean a country is is you know unstable. It means that you have to work to have compromises among elites to get prob- resolves. And in fact, in some ways, it provides more voices for different uh, different actors in that process as opposed to less. It's a common phenomenon. Right. And I want to you know earlier you you, you know we were speaking to Dr. Kelvin Yi, right? And I think you asked him an interesting question about whether you know we could see a, a collaboration between Harapan and and G. Uh, and uh, GPS. And and I think one of the hindrances we've noticed throughout the campaigning period and just perhaps um, throughout, um, you know, the Sarawak political his- history, especially in recent years, is that DAP Sarawak and, and you know, unlike perhaps uh, DAP as a whole, the national DAP, when we just hone in on Sarawak's DAP, they have a very sort of... Um, strong um, relationship with GPS. Um, there's a lot of animosity there sometimes. They often take, um, take very serious jabs at each other, um, whether it's on social media, in, in campaign, on the campaign trail, and in press conferences, and so on and so forth. Do you think that this could be a hindrance 
to the, the the biggest question that a lot of people are asking is whether Pakatan can work with GPS to get enough numbers. Do you think Srawa uh, DAP, which is essentially even using the Rocket logo and not Harapan logo um, in the election, do you think it will be a hindrance, their relationship with GPS? This goes back to those three things I talked about, the issue of personality versus, you know, ideology and interests, right? I think personality is, is a really difficult issue in a place like Sarawak where the real, it's a long-standing sense of kind of hurtfulness that has felt on both sides. And I know that, you know, it may sound... Um, petty. But in fact, you know, the politics can be quite fierce uh, when you're going against individuals. And and, and it's hard. And I think the question will be whether or not, you know, not only putting aside egos, but putting aside some of those issues. And I think that uh, I want to give GPS a lot of credit here. They, They know they're clearer about what they want, right? It's not just about a position. They, I mean, there are certain policy initiatives. They want more control over projects. They want the, the, the issues of, uh, of, of greater expenditure. And I think what this is a really pivotal time in the country's history where places in Borneo, Sabah and Sarawak, have an opportunity to recalibrate that relationship, a relationship that has been one that is inherently unequal, that needs to be recalibrated. And so this is, this is an interesting time. And I think that if we think about this all is just the politicians and kingmakers and numbers, right? I think, um, and if it ends up being something like that, as opposed, which we've saw too much of in the last few years, where people were negotiating for positions and GSL, GLC appointments and others, as opposed to a, a time for a kind of a, a, re, a bit of a reset, uh, you know. And ironically, you know, we talk, you know, 2018 was a politics of new politics euphoria, right? But what we see now is the results of new politics and and, and the and the ability to see whether or not the these actors can push in a different direction. So, um, you know, we, we all, a lot of times when we discuss, you know, the various sort of combinations that we could see, um, who is going to team up with who, it, the, the focus is often on, you know, whether it's going to be um, PH with GPS or whether we're going to end up in sort of a situation where we are in right now, which is a BNPN-GPS sort of um, um, combination. But are, are there anything else we are, we are missing here? Um, you know, because there were a lot of speculations and angry um, responses towards, let's say, a collaboration between Pakatan Harapan and Barisan National. Are we missing um, any of uh, other permutations? And I just want to quickly jump in and just share this WhatsApp uh, from Vijayan who said that, bear in mind there are no permanent friends or enemies in politics. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, Malaysian campaigns have been mob- have been very polarised. They mo- mobilise negative energy against others, right? You know, I think and people see things in a, uh, um, a black and white or red and uh, red and blue or whatever colours, uh, the green uh, that people see things in. I think that... Um, one of the big issues will be what will happen to UMNO uh, in this context. There is no question that uh, Zahid Hamidi, UMNO, is not tenable uh, from a perspective of cooperation. But if there is a different leadership in UMNO, uh, in a, in a, a, then there might be a, the open to possibilities. And I think that leadership probably will come from Hamad Hassan as a, if, if Zahid Hamidi is willing to, give, to make way, uh, which I think he may be forced to depending on what happens with the results today. 
what what happens if um, you, you know uh, uh, many other countries where let's say we look at Germany um, and all these these are all uh, regular occurrences um, after elections you know the the votes come in and then people go go you know the elites go into their their secret rooms and then their hotel rooms and have discussions to try and um, come up with with a sort of um, like you said you know compromises and common grounds in which they can work together um, but Malaysia this is very new so in the instance of a, a hung parliament of sorts, how long are we expecting these negotiations to take place? Can people wake up tomorrow morning and, and expect a government already formed? Are we talking about one, two weeks of negotiations? Well, it won't be a Cambodia, two years. <laughs> I mean, it won't be that, right. okay? I mean, uh, you know, I think the pressure will be to, I think what will be interesting to see if the the king meets with whoever has the numbers and gives them the green light to begin to form a coalition. I think this is the first gateway in this process. Uh, the second issue will be how, what sort of configuration and conversations start to begin. I think the public will expect that uh, in that area. I think the other real challenge for Malaysia is that there's so much distrust of the politicians. And let's let's be real. There's reasons to distrust them right. for uh, what we've seen in the last few years in terms of frogging and others. And what is makes this challenge of negotiations uh, even more difficult than this time is that there is a anti anti hopping level at the na at the national level. It's not in all states, right? So we're going to see different dynamics in states like Perak, perhaps, mm -hmm. or even uh, other places. But it, at the national level, and so that means that it's going to force parties to work with other parties. Um, uh, there will be pressure on all coalitions, uh, I, I think. And, and, I, and I'd mean that not just in terms of, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, Perkata National and others. And I, and I don't rule out, you know, Perkata National being, being a, a, a pivotal player in this process as well. Um, you know, what happens to the Bursatu side or others? They have right. done, they've, they've performed well in many seats, uh, one a few places unexpectedly, uh, or, or for me, not unexpectedly, <laughs> but for, for, for other people, perhaps Perkata National unexpectedly. Mm. I wonder if compromise will be the word of uh, this this elections. Do share your thoughts um, if you think that our parties and coalitions can actually compromise because we know that the numbers are going to be split the way that uh, Bridget has explained in the studio with us for the hour. Dr. Bridget Welsh, Honorary Research Associate at the University of Nottingham, Malaysia, Asia Research Centre. Um, after a short break, we'll be actually speaking to Datuk Sri Alexander Nantalingi, Secretary General of GPS to pick up on this theme that we've been running with uh, since uh, 10 and, uh, you know, that idea of coalitions uh, working with GPS. Um, WhatsApp or send us your voice notes at 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Also catch our live video stream uh, on our website, bfm.my, on our YouTube and Facebook channels and on our BFM app. You can drop your comments there as well. This is the battle for Malaysia. BFM is with you all night for the latest G up 15 updates so stay tuned BFM 89.9 you have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 the business station for more stories of the same kind download the BFM app